0: Hey, I hope you think it's possible. If you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know I believe it's possible, and I run into more and more people who have figured it out. we got some exciting stories today to share with you about people who have figured it out, what it means to do work you love, and how to knock it out of the park financially doing that. You know the old myth that if you do what you love, you're going to have to live on beans and rice. My buddy Dave Ramsey calls rice and beans, beans and rice. You know, that just is not true. It works the other way around. It's tough to try to do something you don't enjoy and make a living at it. It's tough to be responsible doing work you don't enjoy. It's tough to think that you are being a faithful steward of God's gifts to you or being a responsible provider for your family, all those wonderful things we want to do. But Those things come a whole lot easier if you just simply find something you enjoy. Now we're gonna talk about some of the details. How do you make that happen? This is the time each week, if you're a new listener, welcome in, we welcome you to this time where we take 48 minutes to look at work that we're doing. Examine the value of our work, looking at not just how can we make money, you know there's so many ways to make money it makes my head swim, but it's how to combine your ability to make money with the key core highest value transferable skills that you have how to combine it with your personality how you relate to other people what kind of environment you're most comfortable in how you manage persuade sell and just how you relate to other people or if you don't relate to people how you relate to things or ideas or concepts that's okay too you can have work you love where you don't have a whole lot of contact with other people if you prefer that. And then how to blend those things, your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies with what I call values, dreams, and passions. What are those things that just keep popping up that you're drawn to? Things that you find yourself spending time doing, even if you're not being paid. That's how you get a clear sense of what you ought to be doing. And if you're just paying attention, I mean, Joanna and I were talking this morning, she's doing some writing and uh, about the idea of just paying attention to what's around you. You know, if you sit at our kitchen table in the morning, just sit there, no TV, no radio, but then you start to hear, you know, the hum of the refrigerator that you may never heard, heard before. You hear our parakeet talking. You hear things outside. You may hear a thump on the window. That's a bird trying to fly into our living room. But all of a sudden, you start to recognize things that you didn't notice before. A couple of years ago, one of the things I did as kind of an extracurricular activity was to study contemplative prayer which I personally really enjoy. But a lot of that is just simply getting quiet and you notice things. I mean, all of a sudden you notice your inner self as opposed to just responding to circumstances around you. A whole lot of cool things happen if you're just paying attention. And that's where we get the insight into how are we wired? What is it that in doing that would bring us a great deal of joy? So now then our challenge just becomes, okay, how do we translate that into, Income generation as well, which really isn't as challenging with most things as what you might think. Well, golly, I jumped ahead of myself a little bit here. Let me tell you some of the things we're going to be covering today. Somebody says, in light of the homeless guy's video, remember Ted Williams, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the guy on the side of the street with a great voice. Well, yeah, he got some opportunity, but success came a little too fast for him. So he's having to back up a little bit, try to get his personal life in order a little, and that's okay. But somebody's saying, you know, is that a way to do a resume, just a video presentation of what you do well, rather than just two sheets of paper? Well, we'll talk about that. Somebody says, Dan, my problem is I have too many great ideas. What's your process of focusing and prioritizing ideas? Another guy says, I live in a small remote town in Colorado and don't want to move to the city to just get a job. You know, do I have any options? Yeah, really? About five million? We'll look at that. Is it feasible to make a living as a freelance white paper writer or copywriter? And someone says, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote the book couple years ago four-hour work week and he compares that to dale carnegie's book how to win friends and influence people and say that they have two very different viewpoints of success what's my take on that so we'll talk about that we'll have some have some fun with that you know one other quick thing here before i jump into the questions there's a phenomenon going on right now that's uh pretty wild out there and at least in the worlds of Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller. Last Friday, now I'm speaking on Wednesday, last Friday a guy called in, Dave has a lot of callers call in that scream I'm debt free! You've heard it if you're listening to Dave Ramsey at all, that's the Friday calls. Had a young couple call in and scream I'm debt free and told a little bit of their story but the guy created a video of him and his family preparing for the call, being on hold, and then the video of the actual conversation with Dave. He went back and did a little technical work so it actually pulled the call where you could hear Dave as well at the other end of the the phone, so it was done really well. Well, that little video happens to be done by a guy who does daily videos. His name is Shane, it's the Shaytards, you can find it quickly, Shaytards Uh, Videos, You'll find it because he is rocking and rolling on YouTube. But that particular video has done more than most. It's really gone viral. The kid's been interviewed on CNN, blah, blah, blah. And it's been viewed now as I speak by over 656,000 people, over half a million, 656,000 people have viewed that. Well, that's pretty stinking amazing. Now, that's the kind of thing, you know, where Dave and I get an awful lot of play off of that. I mean, the guy's now been on CNN. And so people go there, over half a million people talking about that. And he says, man, I read Dave's Dave Ramsey's book. I started managing my money well, really got on track. And then I figured out, geez, at $40,000 a year, I was going to be hard for me to really get ahead. I got four kids. So I read what he recommends, Dan Miller's book on 48 Days and thought, wow, you mean I really could do something I love and make money? Duh. Yes, he did that. And he has knocked it out of the park, paid off one hundred ninety five thousand dollars in debt. And he didn't share the specifics, but he is making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, it so happens that at this point we have a little background information. And yes, he more than 10 times his income last year. So he he's doing well. What's an exciting kind of thing to watch and it's just one of those pieces all of us who are in business and all of you listening have ideas and things you're doing as well but it's just one of those little pieces that maybe Unexpected, But if you spread the net, if you're doing a lot of things, then these are the kind of things that can happen. Now, what that's done for me, just that one little mention in there, it's spiked sales of 48 days to the work you love, obviously. I'm way back up in the numbers on Amazon this morning, and it's due largely to that. I could be on the early show or Good Morning America, and it would never, ever have the impact of what that little home-done video has done with over half a million people actually watching that you don't get that kind of an audience you know watching a tv show and when you're doing a little drop-in spot this is about a 17-minute video we'll put it up uh, dave ramsey's got it up on his site we'll put it up on our our site as well so it'll be easy to find but it's uh interesting phenomenon to look at that and watch that well let me give you a uh, quotation here and then we'll jump right into the questions this comes from brian dyson who is a past CEO of Coca-Cola. So this has been around a while. He was CEO of Coca-Cola from 1959 to 1994. So it's been some time, but it's a quotation worth repeating. Brian says, imagine life is a game in which you are juggling five balls in the air. You name them, work, family, health, friends, and spirit. And you're keeping all these in the air. You'll soon understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. But the other four balls, family, health, friends, and spirit are made of glass. If you drop one of these, they will be ir- irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, or even shattered. They will never be the same. You must understand that and strive for balance in your life. Pretty powerful framing. Work, and as much as I talk about work being important, and we know it is, and I love work, love new ideas about work, um... You know, just immersed in it in a lot of ways, but don't ever lose sight of the fact that work, no matter how good it is or how bad it is, can easily be replaced. But there are some other things in our life that if we drop that ball, yep, it's going to do irreparable damage. I mean, people certainly come back from challenges in those other areas, but it's different than work. I mean, work you really can put behind you, go on to something new and different and pretty much forget about what happened three years ago. I mean, that's not true. If you damage your health or if you damage your relationships, you know, divorce leaves scars that are certainly not going to easily disappear. Certainly we can have new successes, but be careful about protecting those, what Brian is calling glass balls that you don't drop those. Work will come and go. And we can deal with that. Now, I'm getting a lot of requests for speaking these days, and I'm delighted to do that. I'm doing a lot of interviews, and again, just because of the continued workplace volatility and, and because of new products that I've got out there in the marketplace and viral videos and all those cool things happen. Yeah, I get a lot of requests for that, but I'm delighted to entertain those. I have a young lady who's helping me screen those, help me schedule those. So if uh, you'd be interested in having me come to speak to your church or company or community event or chamber or whatever or you know some kind of a convention coming up we, we screen lots of those and try to make as many of those work as possible have different kind of packages that are workable depending on the situation just shoot a note to speak at 48 days.com that goes right to our screeners for that and uh, to be delighted to talk to you about that we just had a coaching with excellence event here at the sanctuary Had a Sold out, maxed group just uh, had a delightful time with people all over the country who are turning their coaching skills. And this had to do with a lot of different areas. Not all of these people are career coaches or life coaches. We had people who are financial coaches, spiritual directors, uh, people who are working with people in the arts. Let's say we had somebody who's a creative coach, uh, somebody who wants to work with homeschooling moms, somebody who's a technology coach. And we had all, almost as much variety as we did number of people in there in terms of their area of focus. And yet the principles are very much the same for success. If you want to build that into uh, your success be happy to have you plug into all the things that we have available for coaches just check the 48days.net site you'll see a lot of links there about upcoming events and how you can get involved and maybe be one of our endorsed coaches so we refer people to you the overflow of all the requests that we get here for coaching well let me go to the well here's here's a comment uh damon says dan you mentioned that you're interested in learning more about trees and yes as i just mentioned that some uh, you know And a couple years ago, I was doing as my extracurricular activity, the study of contemplative prayer. Um, This year, I'm studying trees. We have a lot of trees on our property, and I want to be more knowledgeable about those and know what to add and so on. But uh, Damon says, did you know that certain trees will actually fertilize and condition the soil for you? God's design is amazing. And then he has a couple links there for me to learn more about trees and gardening forestry well i appreciate that damon i love the way that you the listeners and readers are rich resources of information you pass that along which is always the case we do a lot of connecting people to resources i appreciate you took the initiative to give me some helpful sites there and i will certainly check those out maria says dan i'm an rn ocn working 65 miles from home Um, I I hesitated there because I I probably need to clarify. An RN, registered nurse, OCN, and I'm sure that means oncology nursing certification. So working with cancer. Working 65 miles from home. I've applied at my local hospital for many positions, but they always are, quote, filled from within. They're opening a new cancer center in the fall of 2011. I'd like to follow your 48-day steps to apply, but I'm wondering about timing is it too soon? Should I wait? All right. Now, as I'm speaking, we are in late January of 2011. You'd say they're going to open that in the fall of 2011. No, absolutely not. You don't need to wait. Now is the perfect time to start the process. Let them know you're interested and that you're a great candidate. Now with an OCN, you know, with an oncology nursing certification, you should be at the top of their list. I mean, there's a lot of RNs out there but there certainly aren't going to be that many that have an oncology certification. Be persistent. And if they in fact are convinced you're someone they want on that team, they will likely find a place for you even in their current facility, you know, before that. So come back to the fact, you know, they aren't rejecting you because they fill all the positions from within. They're rejecting you because they are not yet convinced you're someone they want on their team. I mean, just be realistic about that. I mean, a lot of people are told, gee, you're overqualified, you don't have the right degrees, you're too young, you're too old. Well, they weren't going to tell you that, but they come up with a lot of things that are more politically correct ways of telling you, eh, we just aren't interested in having you around. So just acknowledge that and go back to what could you do to make it more exciting to have you on their team? What could you do to make them more enthusiastic about wanting you to participate in what they're doing. That's where you need to go. Now, this comes from Aaron, who says, in light of the homeless person, now this is the Ted Williams thing I referenced a little bit ago, who's on YouTube, got him a huge job. Do you see a day when paper resumes are no longer used? Will there come a time when there is some sort of standardized three minutes or less video of yourself talking about the value you can add become the way Things work. I'm curious to hear you think how you think about a change like this that may shift things. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Aaron. Yes, we don't need to wait on that. That is already very much a part of what creative people are doing. Now, am I saying that everybody needs to do that to be at the top? No, not at all. If you're applying for a position as a bookkeeper or an accountant or an actuary. I would not recommend you do some cool little YouTube video. It's way too informal. It's going to give them a side of you that perhaps you don't, and you may not be a a video person. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a video guy. I mean, I watch what the Shaytards are doing on theirs and I crack up because it's hilarious. I'm not a comic. You know, I'm not a humorist. I'm not a comedian. I, I don't do that. Well, I am way too cerebral. I wouldn't do a video of me if I were looking for a position. But look at some of the things that have been have been done recently. I mean, I've talked about the guy who wanted to work for the Headblade company where they were looking for a so- social media guy. Well, he created his own website, you know, Hire Me Headblade. It was something like that. And, I mean, it made him stand apart from all the rest, obviously. It got him attention. He had videos of himself on there and other things. Yeah. I mean, there's another gal that I've talked about on here. Uh, she's talked about in Chris Gilliboo's book, The Art of Nonconformity. Susan hires a boss. I mean, she was one of the group of people that went through Seth Godin's uh, kind of a nonconforming master's degree program that he talks about our buddy, John Dale went through there. Susan was in there as well. And she did a thing. Susan hires a boss where she created a website and video of herself and she interviewed bosses. So she totally reversed the process where she wasn't looking for interviews. She said, if you want to have me on your team, I'll interview you to see if you're the kind of boss I want. Well, I mean, those are some amazing things that are done. So be creative uh, now, there was a, a friend of mine who started a company. He put all his resources into a company and unfortunately uh, did not survive. It was a company where they would do video resumes. It was a little ahead of the curve for that. Also, there are some geographical and logistical restrictions in that if they're going to do a video then if you live in Seattle and their offices are in Brentwood, Tennessee, which they were, it's pretty hard to come here and do that and they wanted you to be there in person because of the quality of the video and all of that. Well, it was too complicated, too restrictive, and he didn't survive with that company and lost the ample resources that he'd put in, unfortunately, but is it an okay idea? Absolutely. Just recognize that it has to be personalized for you. If you're applying as a marketing person or a sales guy, absolutely, do a little video with that, that's cool. You know, some positions, nah, probably not necessary. Robert from Cedar Rapids says, I enjoy the work I do as a software engineer, but I also enjoy explaining things I'm passionate about. As a result, I'm watching a podcast on the side called thewordstream.com, where I'll explain scripture one chapter at a time, starting in Luke. How do I get my name out there besides Facebook, friends, family, and church? Well, Robert, just continue... You know, this exciting process of finding or creating work that you consider meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. I mean, I have a podcast. I mean, obviously you're listening to this. I've never done anything to you know, try to trick the system or search engine optimization or anything like that to make my podcast as popular as it is. I just try to give good value, I try to provide things that would really help people. You know, see it as a way to really serve others. I don't sell anything on here. Now, certainly I mentioned things we're doing, new resources, events, and whatever, and people respond to that, but I'm not here to sell. This is not a commercial. I'm here to serve. And it's funny how uh, the other part takes care of itself if you really focus on serving people. You know, I, I listened to listened to a, a podcast yesterday that I get through Success Magazine, and Darren Hardy was interviewing someone. They were talking about selling. And the guy said, we ought to change the words S E L L change those to H E L P. If you focus on H E L P, you don't have to learn all the techniques of, uh, selling, just focus on helping people. Now that can go too far. I think Good sales skills are learned and you can do that. But yeah, your main focus really ought to be on helping other people. And if you do that, people are going to flock to your door. So you provide something that people really want and your podcast and it'll grow on its own. Scott says, my problem is I have too many great ideas. I love to write, dream, invent, teach, create, have many ideas I want to act on to design the work I love, but I'm not sure which ones to focus on or whether to work a bit on all of them. What's your process of focusing and prioritizing ideas? Well, having a lot of ideas is wonderful as a starting point. I had lunch this week with a gentleman who I've known for probably 12 years. He is pretty much exactly the same spot he was 12 years ago. He has lots of ideas. He had pads full of ideas. And I kept saying, okay, you know, Which one are you working on right now? Well, I'm just kind of got all these ideas, you know, okay. What's your plan? What are you going to do in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Well, you know, I don't have it that precise yet. I said, what are your goals? Just what are your goals for this year? We're at the beginning of new year. He says, well, I haven't really written anything down in terms of goals because I just kind of want to see what happens. You know, what comes to the surface. And I said, yeah and your next year is gonna look exactly like last year and the year before that and the year before that. You you can't have just things floating around and see what happens. So let's say that you have 20 ideas, great ideas, things that you know you could really do well. And I encourage people to expand. I mean, I don't like to work with somebody who has one idea. I often will tell that person, go back home and come up with 19 more ideas. I mean, literally, I mean, I worked with a young couple, Oh, a couple of years ago who came to me and they wanted to purchase a restaurant, an existing restaurant in a town a couple hours from here, well-known place. It was in an old house. So it had a lot of really quaint ambiance and just a great place to be. But it also had some restrictions. I mean, they were open for lunch only. They were maxed out they were going to purchase the place. The purchase price was $238,000 and the owner was making $70,000. They thought, well, that, God, that's a great return. We'll do that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, when you structure it, well, I'm going to hurry up. I don't want to get stuck on this. What, what happened is there were all kinds of red flags in them doing this. The repayment of the loan took a big chunk out of the net income the lady was showing. The only way they could expand business profitability would be to increase their hours. So if you add breakfast and dinner, all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at being open 60, 70 hours a week. Young couple, you know, got kind of nervous when I proposed that and said, "Boy, that's not what we want to do. We have small children. I said, well, I think there are red flags all over this. But what I want you to do is go home and come up with 19 other ideas that embrace your attraction to the food industry would still allow you to be creative and do the things that you love doing with food. Well, that could mean uh, you could supply lunches for sales organizations. You you could cater special parties. You could decide that you are really great at making cheesecakes and brownies. And so you focus on doing that and supply other restaurants with those rather than just simply being one more competitor for all the existing restaurants already. Anyway, it, it was very easy for them to come up with 19 others after I challenged them to other ideas after I challenged them to do so. And out of that, we found an idea that fit them that didn't violate their not having any money and having to borrow money to get started. Didn't violate them being young parents wanting to be home evenings with their children. So we just looked for other ideas. Having identified a list of we'll go back to Scott's question here. So you got an lot of ideas, get a list of 20 things that you really would enjoy doing over a 30 day period. Narrow down to three or four. Then do a little more research on those three or four. Then choose one and act on it. That's how I focus and prioritize ideas. Doesn't mean the other 19 were not good ideas. Doesn't mean they weren't things I would enjoy or things I could make money on. And it also doesn't mean that I'm taking them off the table forever. But for an immediate plan of action, you gotta narrow down where you develop an idea. I mean, and and then do that. I mean, this business about having, you know, 20 ideas and they're all just, uh, you know, floating in the air out there somewhere, it just doesn't work. It doesn't change anybody's life, doesn't put money in your pocketbook or in your bank account. So have a lot of ideas, but then based on what you know about yourself, narrow down to what three or four would fit me best, spend another two weeks, 30 days or whatever, researching what is that would really most clearly match my personal mission statement that I want to put my time and energy into in this next next year and i always am working in two to three year increments i mean i'm never choosing one idea okay this is it i'm going to do this for the next 30 years never i look at ideas based on the fact that hey for the next 18 to 24 months this is what i'm going to really develop now a lot of times that then turns into a system that takes on a life of its own and it continues to be very successful for us I and mean, we've done that with our electronic profiles as an example where we researched the system. I knew I wanted to use profiles, used to hand distribute those in seminars where people would use a pencil and they'd color in little circles. It would reveal a little logo. Boom, we'd score those. I mean, very cumbersome. Now we have smooth, slick, sophisticated technology that people can do the a profile at 3 a.m. in the morning while I'm sleeping. They just go online, pay for it, get a unique access code, go in and do it and get the delivered report 35 pages right in their hand, the 48 days personality profile. I mean, that's pretty cool. Now that we have that in place, now that we spent a couple of years really getting all the technology in place, now we can ramp that up. It's very scalable. We can have companies, whether it's Google or Microsoft or IBM or Boeing, use those in mass quantities, and the system drives the ongoing success there is not something that takes more of my time, so I look for ideas like that. But I don't work on anything consistently, you know, for ten years. Um, I better be careful about saying that. I mean, surely there are some forms like our coaching and the writing that look like some of the things I was doing a long time ago. But even there, the methods for application have changed dramatically. But take all your ideas, narrow down to three or four, do a little research, choose the best one, create a plan of action, and do it. That's how you take a lot of ideas and have something change your bank account. Jeff from Colorado says, I live in a small remote town in Colorado and I do not want to move to the city to just get a job. I love where I live and I want to get a possible job doing satellite work from home. How can I sell this idea to large companies so I can stay here in my great town? Now, you you ought to pick up a copy of Tim Ferriss's for our work week because everything he talks about talks about working virtually anywhere that you want to and all the kind of things that are possible. So do that. But with what you're describing, you could do web building, graphic design, YouTube creation. You could be a social media expert, even if it's more traditional things like data entry or financial analysis or, you know, doing QuickBooks or whatever. I mean, those are all things. I mean, I mean 90% of what you see done in an office today can be done remotely there's really, that's not a quantum leap at all. I mean, walk into any company in America and you walk down the hall, how many of those people really would need to be sitting there in that cubicle or office, but could, also, but could be doing the same work they're doing from another location? I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's down the hall or if it's in an adjoining building or if it's in the next town or in the other side of the world. So just identify what it is you do well, and it's present yourself as you're looking for opportunities that you're not looking for something that's going to use up their real estate and utilities you're going to be in a very efficient add-on for them because you're going to add value to the bottom line without sucking up all the resources they have in their infrastructure to make a working space possible. I mean, it's very advantageous for a company to have you work remotely. I mean, my son lives in, I don't know where Montrose is exactly. I should, I'll look that up. But my son lives in Woodland park, Woodland park, Colorado is up the hill. You come down from Denver to Colorado Springs and then you go winding back up the hill about 25 miles kind of Northwest to Woodland park. It's kind of a yuppie community. Yeah. They've got a Walmart, but there's not much else there, but it's just dotted with all these little cottages with people who have virtual businesses. I mean, John Dale, our social media consultant lives there in Woodland park. I mean, he has major contracts with big companies like Martha Stewart and others where he's paid big bucks as their social media consultant. He lives way back in the hills. I mean, his kids are out playing in the snow as my grandkids are. You know, Kevin's business, Free Agent Academy. He runs that business from there. He doesn't travel. He doesn't go to other places. He doesn't come down and drive into Colorado Springs every morning to go to an office. No, he works out of their house, which is in, the, in an Aspen grove, way back up in the mountains at about 10,000 feet up. You can certainly do the same. It's not a stretch at all. Just, position, just believe there are millions of opportunities for you. Position yourself so you are a candidate to do that kind of work. And, and if you do a, just a traditional job search, I mean, you do a, just a traditional job search like I outlined in 48 days with the 30 to 40 target companies, you ought to find somebody that's going to jump all over that. Steve says, I'm a restless 49-year-old male. People would say I'm crazy for not being happy in my job. Solid six-figure compensation package in a position I have floated up to, with little effort, stay-at-home wife, three kids on the cusp of college. Is it feasible to make a living as a freelance white paper writer or copywriter? I'm drawn to writing. Well, here we go again. Isn't this a common theme? I hear this so often. I ought to make this our theme song. People say I'm crazy. go. All kinds of warnings. Just you can't do that. Ruin. You got to stay with the man. You got to stay in that big corporate office. How could you make a living you're not happy up in the hills now, of Colorado? You no Surely you're not happy, no longer playing the game. Well, hey, isn't it, isn't it amazing how quickly people say you're crazy for not being happy in your job this is what this is what Steve is saying Steve people say you're crazy for not being happy in your job solid six-figure compensation package in a position you have floated up to with a little effort well are you crazy if you can put legs on an idea if you can come up with a way to make that work you're gonna be able to go back to those people and say you know what I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Ah, man, you gotta love it. Go round round. Just sitting here watching the wheels go around. I'm doing my, I'm doing my freelance writing, copywriting. Now, can you make a living writing? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm here to assure you, you can make a living writing. Uh, writing's been very good to me. I love writing. Can you do white paper writing, copywriting? I don't know. You can figure out ways to do that. But just like I was talking a minute ago, come up with 20 ways that you can make money writing 20 different ways. This morning I was talking to my buddy, Ken Abraham, Ken just finished. He just finished writing a book. Now he's a ghostwriter. He just finished writing a book for the dad who was married. How was this? Married to a gal, I think from Brazil and she left him took their little daughter went back to brazil married another guy down there and then died in childbirth with another child and this guy here has been trying to get his little girl back so it made all the national news and everything well they just wrote a book that's the kind of thing that ken does national events publishers contact him to write a book he gets paid extremely well for doing that now ken has written books with people like bob dole one soldier's story chuck norris against all all odds john ashcroft's book never again um let's roll todd beamer the story about todd beamer your best life now joel osteen's book i mean ken has written all of those books and many many more that's what he does so you may not see his name on the front cover of a book, but he's been paid very, very well for his writing, and it's not just his own unique, original writing. Yeah, there are opportunities like that. So make a make a list of things you could do. White paper writing, copywriting, editing, ghostwriting, writing your own content, creating eBooks, uh, doing manifestos. I mean, uh, Chris Gilbu, who wrote The Art of Nonconformity... He makes a whole lot more money from his own manifestos than he does from a big publishing deal. I mean, uh, when somebody buys the Art of Nonconformity, Chris, you know, probably makes a dollar. If somebody buys one of his manifestos, then uh, he makes about sixty dollars, which is kind of the range that those sell for. I mean, th- those are very legitimate, very real, very possible things you can do. Absolutely define what it is that you do that has unique value. And make it happen. And all those people think you're crazy now. Well, you know, when you're cruising around in your Bentley because you made half a million dollars a year instead of a one hundred thousand, they're going to say, how'd you get so lucky? Yeah, that's the way it goes. Well, Darcy says from Reno. Hi, Dan. I know you're familiar with Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week. What about good old Dale Carnegie of how to win friends and influence people fame? I value your viewpoint on these two rather opposite takes on success. Obviously, Dale Carnegie is from many years ago, and Tim Ferriss is very current. Do you care to indulge us with your (laughs) thoughts? Well, I never hesitate to indulge you with my thoughts. Um, Let me do kind of a quick snapshot of these two and the way that you are obviously framing these being counterposed. Tim Ferriss in Four Hour Work Week, you know, says I make a lot of money. You know, I don't do much. If I get a job, you know, if I'm going to do a web design job, I'll bid the job at ten thousand dollars, and then I find somebody in India who will do it for five hundred. You know, and I pay them to do it, and I take the margin. A lot of people have gotten the impression, and certainly with some justification, that Tim Ferriss is a people user. That all he does is just orchestrate, taking advantage of other people who he pays peanuts and he gets a lot of money for being the mediator, the liaison in between there. I, I don't think it's ever okay to take advantage of other people. Now to, to counterpose that against Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. It's very much about serving, helping other people. So it would be, Seem to be kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum there a lot has changed since dale carnegie wrote how to win friends and influence people which incidentally is still one of my most recommend if you had 10 books that you're going to read in your life that ought to be one of them i mean that's how highly i rank that i mean my kids read that you know i mean as when they were 12 and 13 years old I had them all read that because I just think the principles there are key life principles. You know, recognize the importance of a good handshake. Recognize how important it is to remember somebody's name. I mean, those kind of things just continue to be solid life principles. Tim Ferriss brings to light a whole lot of technology, and I don't think we need to just throw that out or ignore that. And using technology is not just taking advantage of people. I mean, there are people in the Philippines, Who, I mean, I have a friend who's a pastor who's had a personal assistant, a virtual assistant in the Philippines for the last four or five years, same person. And he pays him, I think pays him $5 an hour. The person there is thrilled to have the opportunity to have that work because in his natural culture there in the the setting where he is, he could maybe make a dollar an hour. So it's a real advantage for him in that culture. And there have been a lot of people who have destroyed a working relationship and destroyed kind of the opportunity for somebody in another part of the world to position themselves well by not recognizing the culture that they live in. I mean, my own son, Jared, has dealt with that as he works with people in Rwanda, thinking, well, if these people make a dollar a day, which they're used to, golly, I'm going to have the most loyal, excited people in the country because I'll pay them $5 a day. Well, guess what happens? Monday, they show up for work. They work, you pay them $5. You don't see them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because they made what they expected to make for the week. And in their culture, they don't have the same kind of desires and goals that we may think are natural here in America. So it destroyed their working kind of working model and it destroyed their ability to be productive parts of organizations so it's better in that situation perhaps pay somebody a dollar fifty a day than five dollars even if you know it's very reasonable and you can afford to do that so some of the things that tim talks about that come across as people using are probably realistic applications of helping people around the world work in light of their working environment boy that that, that's um That's a challenging question for sure. I appreciate the question. I think it's worthy to look at that and we need to be sensitive to the issues on both sides of that fence. Rhonda says, having read 48 business ideas, I've got, uh, there's a link on 48days.net where you can go and just click on and open. It's a free document. 48 low cost business ideas. So, if you remember 48days.net, you can just go there and look at that. She says, As I read that, I'm interested in selling books, which is one of the ideas I talk about. I could ask customers to add a web page to their site to sell books that pertain to their specific business. Then I could generate business traffic from their traffic. My fear is that I will have a garage full of books that won't sell. Well, you haven't laid out exactly how you're wanting to structure this. Well, let me just address a couple things. You don't have to stock books to sell them. If you go to my reading list, and I I tell people all the time, if you want to change your level of success, you ought to be reading good books. And if you want to know my list of recommended books, you know, go here. So if you send an email to reading at 48days.com, you get an autoresponder and it takes you right to the page on my site where I have the reading list. It's 48days.com slash reading. All those books that I have there are books that people buy based on my recommendation lots of them. I don't stock any of those. I mean, if somebody's buying Rabbi Daniel Lappin's book, Thou Shall Prosper, I mean, I don't know if two people a month or 30 people a month buy it. I don't pay any attention to the numbers at all. Those are simply books that I have affiliate links with Amazon. So you click on one of those books that I recommend there, One Minute Millionaire, Mark Victor Hansen. you click on that and purchase it from Amazon, I get a commission on that. I am very open about that, but that's how it's set up. The dollars are small, but there, there really are three levels of selling books. Let me, let me just, this is worth explaining a little bit. You know, this week I had somebody here for our Coaching with Excellence event. He's a regular podcast listener, and he says, Man, I wish that you would not answer as many questions as you answer on your podcast, but go more in depth. That's always a delicate balance for me. You know, I see all these questions come in, wonderful questions, and I want to answer them all. But to answer them all, you know, I do a podcast every day, not just once a week. And so I, I scan and get some that are interesting. But I know I try to cram a lot in. Perhaps I shouldn't. Perhaps I should slow down a little bit and go a little bit more in depth. Uh, again, just one of those things I'm always looking for a healthy balance. But let me, let me unpack this a little bit. There are three levels of selling books that we use. One is, as I just described, having an affiliate link. It just goes through Amazon. I don't ship it. I don't stock it. You know, they buy it from there. But because I recommended it and that's trackable, I get a little commission. I think it's like 10% on that. The next level, number two level, would be to be a distributor. So if I really do want to sell a lot of a particular book, we're a distributor with simple truths, Simple Truths provide the little coffee table gift books, beautiful four color. Most of have an audio CD in the back. So they have things like The Strangest Secret that we sell a lot of. With them, I'm a distributor. So a book that retails for $19.95, I purchased for $10. Book distributorship arrangements typically are 50% off. So we buy them at 50% off. Now, you have to be careful with that and thinking that if, you, if it's a $20 book and you buy it at, for $10, then you're going to make $10 when you sell it. No. Recognize there's a whole lot of competition out there for selling books, and Amazon's going to be selling it for 40% off anyway. So you really don't have that much margin. But that's the next level up where yeah we have more to work with, and I'm a distributor. And it really doesn't take anything special to be a distributor, incidentally. You can just simply ask, I want to be a distributor. And for the most part, book publishers are going to say, okay, you are one. I mean, you need to have a business name. You need to have your resale certificate so you can purchase without paying tax. And other than that, you're pretty much ready to go. So there's that. So we have affiliate links at maybe 10% and then distributor agreements where you're going to buy at 50% off. what I really look for are books that are in liquidation. Now, having a book in liquidation does not mean that it's, it's no good, blah, blah, blah. It just simply means for the most part that it wasn't marketed well. So we've had a lot of books where we have purchased them out of liquidation, which means deep discounts. I mean, books have heavy, heavy discounts as soon as the publisher isn't promoting them anymore. So we've had books like mompreneurs, great title, Moms that want to be private caregivers for their kids, but still want to create income. We've had books like how to make use of a useless degree. Well, that's a book that I think sold for 1495 and I bought them in liquidation. I think I was paying a dollar and 38 cents a piece for them, something like that. We put them on our site and we discount them dramatically from the 1495 to $8. So we have a lot of books that are $8 that people just use as add ons when they're ordering other things anyway. And with the figures I just gave you, our cost is less than $2. So we have $6. I mean, I don't have any book that I wrote where I get as a royalty from my publisher $6. I mean, there's no way in the world. So I make a whole lot more on those books than I do on my own books that are sold through bookstores and places like that. So those are the three levels, affiliate links, distributor agreement, liquidation. Now, we don't stock anything where we don't have at least what's called keystone markup. Keystone market means twice what we paid for it. So if I pay $4 for a book, you're never gonna see it on our site for less than eight. If I pay, you know, six bucks for a book, it's gonna be at least 12. I mean, it's always like that. I mean, we just have that rule of thumb. I don't allow our team to sell anything where we don't have at least that double our cost. I mean, that's just what Keystone markup is. It means that you have 100% markup on anything that you've got so when you sell it 50 percent of what you sold it for is your gross profit now you know what i'm gonna have to we are right on top of the bubble here i'm just gonna stop with that got a lot of great questions here i'll keep looking at this balance between uh Having a lot of questions that I go through and give surface answers to or having fewer questions that I go a little more in depth. But some great questions today. As always, thanks for those questions coming in. You can always submit those questions in to at 48 dayscom or go to the podcast link on our website and just fill out the little form there for quick, concise questions. That's a great way for me to get them as well. Now, keep in mind, you can uh, join us at the 48days.net site. Got a lot of people coming in there who are saying, hey, I'm serious about this. This is the year I'm going to turn my idea into a reality. Love to see you there. There's no cost for being a member there, but you'll have an opportunity to share your idea and get the advice and opinion of a whole lot of other really smart people. So check that out. Well, I know that you are one of those, perhaps few, but in a growing number, people who are out there figuring this thing out, where you really are going to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Make it a great week doing just that.